Good morning, everyone. In today's gospel, there are two incidents that have brought to the attention of Jesus. The first one deals with Pilate, who brought some tragic deaths to the Jews. In the first case, Pilate was said to have slaughtered the Galileans who were offering sacrifices in the temple. The second tragedy was that 18 people were killed when a tower collapsed on them in Siloam. The people want to know if they died because they were sinners. Why did these deaths occur? In the Old Testament, there are many references to what happens to disobedient people and nations. In Deuteronomy, we are told that if Israel disobeys God, they will be punished. Throughout the book of Job, there is the thought that death and suffering are a result of sinning. Even the prophet Ezekiel and some of the Proverbs say the same thing. This way of thinking was quite common in the Old Testament. We like to think that we live in a world where every question has an answer, but it isn't so. That's why Jesus doesn't answer the crowd's question, why do people tragically and senselessly die? Why do the innocent suffer much more than the guilty? Does God answer why questions? No. Jesus never asked why. He obediently did his Father's will. In a way, this was a trick question for Jesus because it was a political one as well as a theological one. If Jesus said nothing, it could seem that he was insensitive to the sufferings and death of his people. If he blamed Pilate, he could be arrested by the Roman authorities. What Jesus does is move the question, discussion away from politics into, being, into the realm of theology. He says very clearly that the people who died were no more sinners than anyone else. God doesn't punish people in that way. There is no link at all between sin and suffering and death. It's very clear about that. But, there is always, and there's always a but, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish as they did. How confusing a statement is this? On the one hand, there's no relation between sin and suffering. And on the other hand, if you don't repent from sinning, you will suffer. What Jesus was talking about in this statement was the timing of the event. Perish as they did was referring to the unexpectedness of their death. Jesus is saying that we should repent soon because the timing of our death is unknown and could come at any moment. Be ready then. This is what Lent is all about, being ready by repenting. The second part of the gospel is the first of many parables of Jesus that he used in Luke. It has nothing to do with the fig tree we talked about in Mark's gospel last year. Jesus taught in parables because there were many layers of meaning. What do we need to know about fig trees? Fig trees produce fruit about 10 months out of the year. After planting, it was about three years before they begin to grow fruit. There, 
is a law in Leviticus that the fruit of the fig tree could not be eaten for three years after the first three years of growth. So in the fourth year, the fruit was considered good and could be offered to God. After that, the fruit could be picked at any time. If we assume that the owner of the orchard is God and the gardener is Jesus, then each one of us are trees that need to produce fruit. Notice that God is seen as being very patient, having given a very long time for the tr- fruit to produce. He's gardener. Perhaps we just need richer soil or some fertilizer to help us be fruitful. God, the owner, gives that extra time. He is merciful and hopeful. But there will come a time when the tree will die. It may be uprooted and die early or may die after bearing much fruit. This is a perfect reading for Lent because we too need the time to study the word of God which enriches us, perhaps to suffer a little, to strengthen us, but always in the firm belief that God wants us to succeed and will give us the time we need to turn ourselves around and bear fruit for others for the glory of his name. In the second reading, we see what Paul says about things God gives us, manna and water in the desert for the Hebrews and the Eucharist for us. But just because we have God's gifts and his graces, we should not be complacent. We still have to bear fruit. We still have to be vigilant. We still have to turn ourselves away from sin. Similarly, in the first reading, we hear that God knows well of Israel's suffering, and his response is not to blame them for their sinning, but to rescue them from Egypt and lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. When Moses asked his name, God says, I am who am. He's not saying that he just exists, but that he has always been and will take, and take care of his people. Like the owner of the orchard, he wants a fruitful crop. He wants followers who will remain true to his name and carry out his will as Moses did. The grace that we receive as Catholics are countless and at the same time absolutely priceless. Baptism, Eucharist, and reconciliation are just a few of the signs of God's amazing love for us and everyone for and all of us. Nevertheless, despite all the wondrous signs of God's love present in this world, there is such massive mediocrity among many Catholics Graces frequently go unnoticed when they are given to someone who is not engaged in the pursuit of God's will. Time is a precious commodity. We don't see its value, and we don't know if we have a lot of time or a little left. Yet, that very fact should spur us on and bring us to repentance. God's justice is seen in the fig tree's owner, who was looking to clear the orchard of fruitless trees. His mercy is reflected in the gardener, who wants another year to try and salvage the situation with more water and fertilizer. Certainly God's mercy is infinite, 
but our capacity to accept it is not, for we are limited, time-bound creatures. The clock is ticking, and we have to make our choices. So that is what Lent is all about every year. It jogs our memory. It makes us look at our own lives to see if we have been true to the covenant God has made with us, to see if we have been grateful for the redemptive grace we are given, and if not, to repent. So here we are in the third week of Lent, remembering the Hebrew story, remembering Christ's parable, and looking at our own lives. There is still time. God is patient with us. Let us change our ways and be ready to rise with Jesus on that glorious Easter, which is only a few weeks away. Jesus' teachings apply directly to the goals and purpose of Lent, that we reform our lives and begin to produce good fruit worthy of the Lord. The kingdom of God is open to everyone, but there are standards and conditions for membership. Jesus' hope is that once we know the commandments and the consequences of disobedience, we will follow God's will, God's loving will. <laughs>